that can steal my Redeemer's love from me. And oh, the love of my Redeemer, never failing, come what may, He has purchased my forgiveness and has washed my sins away. Although burdened by the weight of great trial or tragedy, none of these can separate my Redeemer's love from me. And oh, the love of my Redeemer never fails. Failing, come one may, he has purchased my forgiveness and has washed my sins away. Though the earth's foundations shake, driving wind nor raging sea, neither death nor life can take my Redeemer's love from me. Through this world's few passing days and through all eternity I will never cease to praise my Redeemer's love for me. And oh, the love of my Redeemer, never failing, come what may. He has purchased my forgiveness and has washed my sins away. And oh, the love of my Redeemer, Never failing, come what may, He has purchased my forgiveness and has washed my sins away. And has washed my sins away. Well, I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that every day because I mess up a lot. But Lord's love is unconditional. All right, if you're uh, over there in Luke chapter 14, we'll get into God's Word this evening. Thank you for your prayers. Had a good meeting uh, at one of our sister churches. I don't think... Most of you probably don't know the church I was at, Cornerstone Baptist Church in Salt Lake, Kentucky. So it's between Mount Sterling and Moorhead, Kentucky. It was started out of Kentucky Mountain Missions. Uh, Brother Jason Minix, who used to be in Peru, um, started 
that church, and uh, they're praying for them. They're looking for a pastor, and uh, there's, well, pastor knows, there's a lot, a lot of churches looking for pastors right now, and there's not guys out there. So I'll be praying for that, and pray for that church when you think of it. Um, let's start reading here in Luke chapter number 14, and if you'd stand, if you can, we'll read uh, verses 25 to 33. It says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Uh, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an uh, ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here. And uh, Lord, just ask that you be with us tonight. Thank you for being with us uh, throughout the songs. And pray most of all your name would be um, lifted up. Lord, take me lower that you might go higher and that uh, uh, you might shine forth this, this evening for your honor and glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this evening, I want us to look at this familiar passage of Scripture, probably pretty familiar for most of you on a Sunday evening. And uh, I was praying, been praying about what to preach this evening and thought, well, uh, going back and forth on some different messages, and, and the Lord laid this one on my heart, and I was like thinking, well, it's a Sunday night. <laughs> this is kind of, Lord, are you sure about that on a Sunday night? But um, that's what the, this is what the Lord's laid on my heart. So uh, real quick this evening, I want to talk about the cost of following Jesus, the cost of following Jesus here from Luke chapter number 14. And... Uh, you know, Jesus was being follow, followed by the multitudes here. In verse number 25, it says, There went great multitudes with him. And, you know, you would think as who Jesus was that that's what he was looking for, great multitudes. Uh, but Jesus was interested in quality and not in quantity. And so he had a lot of fans here, but not a lot of followers. And tonight we need to ask ourselves whether we are fans or whether we are followers. Now, uh, on a Sunday night, as being one of the few churches that have Sunday evening services uh, these days, um, I would tend to think most of you all are followers. But, you know, even as followers, we do things out of obligation or out of a sense of obligation a lot of times um, instead of always from the, the right reason. 
And here, Jesus had a lot of people following him that he knew were following him half-heartedly. People that were not following him for the right reason. And, you know, uh, earlier in the chapter, he had just gotten finished uh, giving this example of of God's grace. Um, And then now, though, he gets to the cost of following him. And it's interesting because, you know, we all know salvation is a free gift. It's by the grace of God. It costs Jesus everything, um, and it's free for us. But if we take that a step further when we're talking about being his disciple, following him, if it costs Jesus, if it literally cost him his life, then surely, at least figuratively, it should cost us ours. But we live in a day and age when the cost of following Jesus is too great for many Christians. And that's sad, uh, because if someone says, I am a believer, then that should be synonymous with, I am a follower of Jesus. But in our day and age, that has changed. People uh, will call themselves a believer, but not a follower. And in the Bible, (laughs) they're, they're synonymous. A believer is a follower. Christians were first called Christians because they were little Christ. And when you get to the word disciple and you break it down, I mean, it's most simple, basic definition is a student, a learner, um, an apprentice, a follower of someone else's uh, teachings. And, you know, when you look at that definition of what a disciple is, a lot of times you think, well, then what a follower of Jesus does is important, which is very important. But first, Jesus is interested in who we are. Following Jesus, in following him, the who precedes the do. So who you are in Christ comes before what you do for him. Honestly, Christ could care less what you do about him if the who does not match. What you do with him if your who doesn't match. And so... Um, that's what was going on here. He had a lot of people saying, yeah, we're, we'll be your followers. And then he turns to them and he gives them this story of, of a king going to war and a man building a tower to illustrate that you need to actually think about this. If you're really going to follow me, okay, count the cost and let me know if you're really going to pay the price. And so uh, this evening, I, I just want to look at uh, a few things here. Um, it, starting off in verse 25 again. And the, the first cost that we see of following Jesus uh, is a love with no rivals. A love with no rivals. Uh, verse 25 uh, of this chapter again says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said to them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So, um, you know, in these verses, Jesus, he, he, he goes uh, right to the point and distinguishes fans from followers. And he shows us how to do the same. Okay, if you're really my, a follower of Jesus, okay, challenge the love of that person. See what 
he or she loves? Where is their first love? And, you know, one cost of following Jesus is to love him above all else. Uh, Mark 12, 30, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Now, all of us know that verse. All of us have heard that verse um, multiple times, uh, maybe a hundred times, hundreds and hundreds of times for some of you. Um, but do we really live with Jesus in that first spot without any other rival to Him? You know, that's hard. It's real hard. I know my own life, uh, every day is, is a struggle to put that into practice and say, okay, uh, Lord, you be first above everyone and everything else. And it's so simple, yet it's so complicated, right? I mean, it, it is not easy to follow Jesus, to love him above everyone and everything else with no rivals, with no competition there. Because depending on the day, uh, you know, we could be the best, his best follower out there. And the next day, um, we, we are just tripping over ourselves and making all kinds of a mess. Do we truly love him without any other rival? He said, if any man come to me and hate not. And, you know, I know we, we know this verse. He's not talking about literal hate uh, because that would go against everything he, he taught. He, he told his disciples, love one another. So he's not, he's just, it's a comparison of talking about loving less. Do we love everyone and everything else less than him? And that is difficult. Because all of us would love to say yes. But then our actions and our thoughts betray us. Right? But Jesus, you know, he went on, if you read the parallel, and you don't have to go there, but in Matthew 10, uh, 37 and 38, he, you know, he made this verse even clearer about what he was talking about. He said, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So tonight, have you counted the cost? You say, yes, I have. Okay, well then, are you paying the price? Because if so, He will be Lord above all else. Uh, you know, this, this verse reminds me of one of our, our young men uh, in Peru. Um, you, you all might remember the young couple that we had get married. Uh, I showed a picture of. And... They've been married two years now, but ever since they have got married, uh, his parents weren't even going to come to the wedding because he wasn't getting married in the Catholic religion. And the day of the wedding, they said, we'll be there. And, uh, you know, when I was in, when I was in Peru, they, they were telling me uh, a story of what happened with him. Uh, so we, we had set up to have a, a uh, a marriage, a mar uh, couples meeting, a couples meeting between the young couples there in Peru and me and Becca via Zoom. And, you know, he and his wife were, 
way late getting on, which is pretty normal for Peru. But, you know, they, they, they had told us they, they were going to be on. And, we, and so um, I, was, I was perturbed. I was like, man, they knew we had this plan for like a month. You guys knew this was coming on. You, you got to be on time. I didn't say that, though. But come to find out, um, he, he basically had to do this. He had to hate his mom and dad less uh, because it was his birthday. And his mom had, had planned this huge birthday party for him without even telling him. And it was two hours away in a whole other town. And she had already had the bus arranged to pick him up, already had the meat and, uh, to cook. And uh, that's how they do, do things up big in Peru. And, uh, and he said, well, we'll go, Mom, we'll go. But I have to leave at such and such a time because we've got stuff going on for church. And it was not even physical, it was virtual. <laughs> And uh, so four o'clock comes around and they haven't even started cooking the meat for his birthday party. And his mom basically gave him ultimatum, said, you're not going to leave after all this I've done for you and, and, and on down the road. And he said, no, I have to go. Uh, and that's just one instance of how his life has been. His mom, his mom hates his, his wife because she thinks his wife stole her son and put him in a cult. But he's made this decision to follow Jesus. And to me, he's an inspiration to me, because I don't know if I would have the courage to do that with my own mom and dad, what, what he's done time after time in the, just in the two years he's been married and, and been saved. Do we love Jesus that much? Um, the next thing I want us to see is a, a cross with distinction. So uh, one cost is a love with no rival. And then in verse 27, we see a cross with distinction. It says, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." So the next cost that we see here is, is one that we all know, but we don't readily accept. Um, when, we, when we talk about bearing our cross, a lot of times we make the mother-in-law jokes, right? Um, <laughs> uh, or, or some other kind of joke to, to the cross that we have to bear, whether it's our boss. or And I know we do that jokingly. Um, and this verse, you know, it's talking about the cross that we bear, and, and the cross that we bear is us. It's you. The cross that you have to take up daily is you. That's why it's a cross with distinction. And, and whosoever does not bear his cross. You know, a lot of times we might think it's talking about a trial uh, that, that's in our life or, or, or uh, a difficulty or something else, but this is talking about Jesus makes it clear in the parallel passages, deny yourself daily and take up your cross and follow me. So it's talking about you, crucifying you, yeah, taking up your cross, following him. And, you know, uh, that's why it's a cross with distinction, because your cross is, is different than my cross. Now, it, it is, it's the same and yet it's different because it's the same in the fact that we're talking about the same cross ourselves, you, me. But it's different in the fact that what we actually have to deny ourselves. 
Because what you might have to deny yourself is not, might not be the same thing that I have to deny in my own life. And so that's why we need to really think about this, uh, about taking up our cross daily. Because Jesus said, if who, whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And, you know, there's no middle ground there. I don't know about you, but he says, cannot be my disciple. So if we're not willing to die to self, deny self, pick up that cross every day, can we say that we're willing to be his follower, his disciple? You know, when you talk about the cross, and Jesus was talking about the cross here, he literally was going to bear his own cross. He was going to the cross. And in... in in the day and he lived, um, you all know the cross was a symbol of torture. Uh, it was a grotesque symbol of, of the Roman Empire and what they did to uh, criminals, the worst of criminals. And so for Jesus to say this would have been scandalous uh, for those listening. And, and that's why the multitudes turned back. Because they heard that and said, whoa, that's, that, that, that's a little steep. That price is a little high. I don't want to pay that price. Paul said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. And that's why we, um, as Christians, have to learn to take this cross up, have to learn to deny ourselves to follow him. Because as, as Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, when God calls a man, or when Christ calls a man, he calls him to come and die. Die to yourself. Why? Because you're now living to him and following him. And this is one of the... the most difficult parts of the Christian life. It's not necessarily uh, serving others. It's dying to your own self. It's denying your own self. It's saying, who cares what I want? My wishes, my desires, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want to do. Um, you know, it, 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 it is dying to uh, what you want and serving others, serving your family, you know. And I, I think about this uh, with my own family and think about how many times I want my wife to serve me, but I don't want to deny myself and serve her. I think it's the same thing with my girls and, and how many times I'll get on them for something that in my own way, I do the same exact thing. So... A cross with distinction. It's your cross to bear, as, as we say, but it's you. What does following Jesus cost? It cost you. It cost you. And that's one of the hardest parts about the Christian life because it truly is a daily death. Uh, real quick, let's look here at the last verses. In 28, where uh, Jesus 
uh, starts talking about the man building a tower. He says, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man begin to, began to build and was not able to finish. You know, a lot of you probably, you've seen our pictures in Peru and you've seen how we leave the steel, the rebar, coming up out of the, uh, you know, there's lots of jokes in that about Peru because uh, it's never finished. Someone's house is never finished. They'll always leave, uh, they could have six floors, but leave the rebar sticking out for a possible seventh floor. Um, and and you, you land in Cusco and that's all you see is just unfinished houses, unfinished buildings. Uh, and you think, what in the world is going on? But it's, it's the, it is the culture, it is the mindset um, of, of the people. Uh, one, it, it, in one way, it's positive. We're going to keep building. But in another way, it's, well, we didn't have quite enough. You know, we, we, we just couldn't quite make it. And, uh, you know, if we were in Peru, this illustration would be a piece of cake. Because uh, uh, people just automatically see that. Uh, but in the States, you know, some of you might be able to relate if you've ever had to remodel your house or something or, or done your own remodel and you're thinking, when will this ever get finished? You know, or, you know, someone comes in, just gets started for about a day or two and then leave it off for another month and then you get started again. Uh, Jesus tells us, count the cost. Figure it out. He's basically saying, you figure it out, and if you're going to follow me, follow me. And if not, don't. And, you know, then he gives the story of the king in verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else while the others yet a great way off, he sendeth and ambassage and desired conditions of peace. So, figure it out, okay, if you're 10,000 10, going against 20,000, better to surrender now than spend all the money and lives lost going to war in a war you can't win. And then Jesus finishes it off, says, likewise. So, likewise. So, we know he's talking, giving us... Uh, an illustration here. Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not. What's the word he says there? Forsaketh not all that he hath. Wow. You know, all is all. I think probably in any language, all means all. And so he, he's, he's, he's getting down to the nitty gritty saying, count the cost, pay the price, follow me, or don't. It's your decision. And that's the decision that we make daily, on a daily basis. Okay, Lord, am I going to follow you today? Or am I going to follow self? Am I going to live in the, walk in the Spirit, or am I going to live in my flesh? So he's asking here, I believe we see a complete surrender. Because he's just saying, just give up. 
give it all to me and follow me. And if not, then don't. And you know, that makes it pretty easy. Decision-wise. Yes or no. A.W. Tozer said that the man on the cross looks in only one direction. He will not return and he has no more plans of his own. He goes on and says, we must do something with respect to the cross. Either we flee from it or we die on it. So the question for us is, will we die on it? Will we surrender all, deny self, take that up and follow him, or will we choose not to? Now look at the warning that Jesus ends with in verse 34. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So that phrase, lost his savor, you know, that literally means to become foolish. Now, in, in our terms, we would say useless nowadays. It's useless. The salts become useless, ineffective. And it's something, you know, we don't quite understand because we don't have this kind of salt that loses its savor, that loses its effectiveness. But in the Dead Sea region, there was a common uh, salt that they used that, um, that would lose its saltiness and, and would not be good for anything. It was completely, totally useless. Now, I think this speaks to us as Americans, especially because none of us want to be useless. We all want to have a purpose. As Americans, we are useful, if nothing else, or we want to be at least. And Jesus says here, be careful. The decision you make, because if you choose the one way, you're completely ineffective. He says, basically, you're useless to me. And that sounds hard. You're like, what? Useless? Really? But that's exactly what he says. It says it's neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill. Imagine that. This salt wasn't even good. You know, like we put lime in the, in the outhouses or, or salt over those. It wasn't even good to match that smell. And Jesus says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So if you're listening, listen up good, because this is what I'm telling you. In this, you know, I, I believe we see the, the person, the Christian that decides, hey, that cost that you're asking me, Lord, is too high. Um, we see what happens. When someone calls themselves a Christ follower, but loves someone or something more than Jesus, this is what we see what happens. That so-called follower does not carry their cross by dying to self. And, and this, the, the words here paint a picture of what happens to someone who lives by their own appetites, by their own desires, above Jesus' desires, above what Jesus wants for them. Someone who clings to the world more than they cling to Jesus. And those who live their life in this way may, and make this decision, they themselves, we ourselves, are 
deciding that we are going to be ineffective Christians. When we decide, because it's us, we decide that daily. I'm either following you or not. And today I'm either taking my cross and denying myself or I'm not. And when we make the decision, we are consciously saying, I am choosing to not be an effective Christian today. Wow. You know, who? none of us would want to say that out loud, right? But that's exactly what we are saying when we say, Lord, not today. I just don't feel like it. I'm going to live. I'm going to have the attitude I want. I'm going to talk the way I want. I'm going to look at what I want. I'm going to watch what I want. I'm going to listen to what I want. I'm going to do what I want today. Well, then we're saying, okay, I am going to be an ineffective, useless Christian. Not even good enough to fight the stink of sin around us. That's what's at stake when we, a lot of times we make our decision based on our feelings, how we feel. But think about what's at stake when you and I decide that. Who do we miss out on talking to because we're not walking in the Spirit? Who do we miss out on being a witness to? Who do we miss out completely of just maybe being a blessing to because one day we just decide, well, for today, it's all right, it's just one day. It's just a few hours. Today we need, now more than ever, we need to be true followers of Christ, not fans. And like I said, I believe every one of us here this evening, on a Sunday night, we want to be those true followers. We want to deny ourselves. We want to take that cross. And I'm right there with you because I want to, too. But there's a lot of days that I sure just want to live to sell. I want to be selfish. Sometimes I think, Lord, just let me be selfish today. And it's exactly in those times when I completely fail. And I'm ineffective as a husband, as a dad, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. But we need followers today who count the cost, who pay the price. And I'm thinking of some missionaries that I've read about. And look, I'm, I'm not telling you all. I know a missionary gets up here and you think, okay, yeah, here he goes. The missionary saying, yeah, we, got, we all got to be missionaries. Well, that's not a bad thing. Um, we all are missionaries in a certain way, but we all aren't called to pay the same price. We all aren't called uh, to, to um, count the same cost, if I can say it that way. The Lord has some different costs that you'll have to pay than I will have to pay. But I- I'm thinking of a man by the name of Henry Martin. He was brilliant. He won the uh, award as a mathematician, the, the highest prize you can win as a mathematician, as a teenage boy. Back in, I believe, the late 1700s or early 1800s. You know what he did with that? He gave it all up. He counted the cost. He paid the price. And he said, I'm going to India. 
You know how long he lasted in India? Seven years. He was sick. The entire time he was in India, he was sick. But in seven years, he gave the world a New Testament in three of the biggest languages of the East of that day. In seven years, he counted the cost. He paid the price. I'm thinking of men like C.T. Studd, uh, who was a famous cricketer back in England in the 1800s. Uh, he was a household name in England in his day. His dad was already rich. His family was already famous. He gave it all up. And he didn't just give it all up. He gave it all up. And he even tried to give some of his fortune to his wife as a wedding gift. And she said, no way. She said, we're both in this together. They split it all up with the China Inland Mission, Hudson Taylor's Mission in, India, in China, and then some other parts. Didn't save any of them for themselves. Basically lived like beggars in China and India and Africa as missionaries. But they counted the cost. They paid the price. And God used him greatly. I think of another guy, William Borden. A guy, you know, probably a lot of us have, have heard of Borden Dairy. William Borden was heir to that back in the 1800s. Gave it all up to go to the mission field. You know what happened? He didn't even make it to the mission field. He died of, I think, spinal men meningitis in, in, uh, in Egypt, trying to learn the language, the Arabic language, to go to Muslims. He died before he got, even got to the mission field. We would think, wow, what a waste. He gave up his own fortune for that. And some of you might have heard the story, but in his Bible, in the leaf of his Bible, he wrote, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. Why? Because he had counted the cost and he was willing to pay the price. And I don't know about you all, but too many times in my life I've counted the cost, but I've not been willing to pay the price. When the Lord was calling me to preach, I said, wow, that's a high price, Lord. I don't know about that. It took me a, lot, a long time to count that cost. When he was calling me to the mission field, I thought, wow, it's even a higher price, Lord. I don't know about that. And then when he was calling me to Peru, I said, wow, are you kidding? That's even, that's too high. And I would have loved, would have loved to say, not there, <laughs> not there. When the Lord was saying, you need to get back here to the U.S., I thought, no way, that's, that's, that's way too high. I'm not going back. And even now, he's asking for some things that I'm saying that's too high. Even now, I'm not to the point where I'm just saying, okay. So, I don't want any of you all to think that somehow the missionaries got it there because I'm not at all. I'm right there alongside of you, counting that cost daily. Still trying to decide, hey, am I going to pay that price? Do I really want to pay that price? But one thing the Lord has shown me is, if I'm willing to pay the price, I will never regret it. And I know none of you will either. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for uh, this evening. Lord, thank you so much for the time in your word. I pray that you would go with us as we uh, start this week and be with our brothers and sisters here who will go to work, maybe even this very night, to a world that uh, doesn't want to hear the message that they have, that doesn't want to hear about the good Sunday they had or, or the time that they worshipped um, the Lord. But Lord, I just pray that you would give each of us strength to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, and to follow you, Lord. Give us the power to count the cost and to be willing to pay that price, to surrender all, knowing, Lord, that you will take care of us, uh, knowing, Lord, that you are right there beside us, knowing that it cost you your very life. At the least, Lord, it should cost us something. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. We do pray that if someone's here this evening that doesn't know you as their Savior, that you would uh, touch their heart and allow them to see their need for you as their Savior. And again, I just ask, Lord, that you would uh, forgive us for the rivals that we've had above you, the, the gods that we've put above you, Lord. Please remove those from our life and have first place in each of our lives. Let there be no competition. Let you rule and reign. Lord, let us love you most so that we can love others best. Use us, Lord, for your honor and glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.